say a plug. Next Sunday night, we actually have the privilege of having a missionary couple who are serving in Portugal who are going to share with us what Jesus is doing um, in Portugal. I encourage you to come and to check that out. It should be a great blessing. I love to, you know, it brings me to tears. I was just watching as Africans coming to Christ. And uh, it never grows old. It's still the same story. That lives are changed. And it should be our heart that people come to Christ. And uh, so grateful for that. And uh, grateful for uh, the church family. And may that be our heart as well. I'd share Christ. Uh, we are in First Peter as we're marching through the book of First Peter. And I want to look at uh, chapter 2, verses 4 through 12 this morning. As we're looking at the issue of hope through the book of First Peter. We're going to look this morning at hope beyond guilt. So I encourage you, uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 4 of First Peter, if you'll stand in his honor as I read aloud. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble. And a rock that causes them to fall. They stumble because they disobey the message. Which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him. Who called you out of darkness. Into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray. God, it's always good. To approach you, the Holy One, who looks at us, Father, who do not deserve your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness. But in your power, you saved us. You rescued us from the dominion of darkness and you brought us into your wonderful light. And uh, that's what the gospel's about. And Father, may our hearts beat there, Lord. And uh, there's people around us who uh, don't know, Lord. I heard a song on the way here this morning. I think it was Reba McIntyre singing about uh, the power of praying women. And uh, Father, thank you that you work. And pray for us. We can be knuckleheads. But you are a God who reaches out to us regardless. We love you, Lord. Speak to our hearts, because we need to hear from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
hope beyond guilt. Uh, there's plenty of guilt. There's uh, two kinds of guilt. There's true guilt and there's false guilt. True guilt, we've done something that we need to be forgiven by God or we need to go to somebody else and we need to make it right. And then there's false guilt. False guilt is when we've dealt with the true guilt. When we've come to God and said, okay, God, I am a knucklehead. I have disobeyed you. I've hurt you and I've hurt other people. And I want to make that right, God. And you just go honest before God. And you get it right. And, and, and then the false guilt is when you keep beating yourself up after you've already gone to God and after you've gone to other people. Matter of fact, it says in Romans chapter 12, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. What's that mean? Sometimes people just aren't going to live at peace with you. But you do your part. And you go to God and, and, and you get it right. And you know, as we get older, we just are complicated. We want to impress people. We want to be somebody. But God says to come to him like a little child. If you're trying to impress God, guess what? He's not impressed. God's not like you and me. He's God. He's holy. He's above us. And, and we worship him. He doesn't worship us. Matter of fact, I had just a couple of these. Uh, we're to come to God as a little child. And I, these are some simple letters that children wrote to God. And, and I love these because they're just so honest. You know, as we get older, like I said, we just play games. But God says, be like a child. Listen to some of these letters. Uh, Dear God, my mommy is sad a lot since daddy went away. We can't find him. Can you? That honest. Dear God, my turtle died. We buried her in our yard. Is she there with you now? If so, she really likes lettuce. Dear God, do you throw the lightning down at us? It scares me a lot when it goes boom. Please stop it. That honest. Dear God, I hate it when Daddy drinks his beer. He smells awful. Then he sleeps. He gets mean. He yells at me a lot. Did you make up beer? Why? A lot of people hurt. Uh, Dear God, uh, do you like it when I pray to you? I do too. Dear God, my Sunday school teacher says you always love me. Is that true? Even after what I did to Sarah yesterday? Or do you know about that? He does. He does. I really am sorry, so I wish you would still love me. That's what we're kind of dealing with today. That child comes and says, I don't think God can love me after I did that. The good news is he does love you. Regardless of what you've done. Just come to him. Um, dear God, my grandma's dying. She says, you want her back with you, but I want her to stay here with me. You can have anyone you want. She's all I have. So please let her get better and stay. That honest. Uh, dear God, did baby Jesus cry all the time? My new brother does, and I don't like it. Mommy says all babies do, and I did when I was little. I'm six now. I don't think baby Jesus ever cried. He's your son, so you must know the answer. We have a bed on it, so please write back. <laughs> Dear God, I saw a kangaroo and a buffalo today at the zoo. I like the line best. What's your favorite? I think the ostrich is funny looking. Did you do that on purpose? Just so honest. Dear God, I like Brussels sprouts. Do I still have to eat them? I don't like them. Excuse me. Do I have to eat them? I don't like milk either. Mostly pizza. What's so honest? 
Dear God, would you make me a little brother? I want to have someone to boss around like my brother does me. And one, uh, and he says, Dear God, my dog Bowser is getting really old now. He gets up slowly, doesn't keep up with me anymore when we run. Mommy says he's going to die one day. Could you just make him a puppy again instead? I'm almost done. Dear God, I have no best friend. Everyone at school seems to have a best friend but me. Could you send me one, please? Hurry. We all felt like that. Dear God, I play worse than anyone on my soccer team. I'm the smallest one, too. That doesn't seem very fair. Did you play a dirty trick on me? Dear God, do you listen to my prayers every night? Do you really know when I only pretend to brush my teeth? Don't tell mommy, please. Honest prayers with God. We trust God when we get to know God. When we see who God really is. We have ideas and caricatures in our mind, pictures of who God is. But God has revealed who He is in the Bible. Many people today are in anxiety and they're worried and they're lost because they don't really understand who God is. He's the mighty God who created all and is above all but stooped for you and me in His love and mercy. And He says, I want you to jump in my lap and find a God who loves you and who will forgive you. Turn me to Psalm 103 here. Um, As we think about God and The blessings that he provides to us. Psalm 103 just lays out those blessings. Many of them. And uh, I love it. He starts out here. And it's a psalm of David. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So now he begins to show you his benefits. I think it's important to know who you are and whose you are. That you belong to a heavenly father. Who died on a cross for you. Now let's just look at his benefits. Going down through Psalm 103. I just want to name some of them. Read the whole psalm. Who forgives all your sins. All of them. He forgives them. Who heals all your diseases. When you're healed. The doctor helps. But God heals. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. You beat yourself up, God doesn't. He says, I want to lift you out of the pit. I don't want you to stay down there. (laughs) It says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. Then jump down. It's so beautiful. Uh, Verse 11, he says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He's not a softy, though. Look at verse 9. He says, he will not always accuse. He will not harbor his anger forever. That's why he went to the cross, so he could forgive us of our sins. But sins do matter. Sins do count. Our transgressions break God's heart. And he gets... He does get mad when he's misrepresented and when we don't see him as the Holy One, but we see him as some grandfather that overlooks sin. No, he he died on a cross because the sin was so wrong. And and it's interesting here, you get to verse 14. I close with that one. He says, for he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we are dust. I had a seminary teacher. He'd always address us in class, children of dust. 
How are you, child of dust? Man, everything is about how glorious my opinion is in this culture. No, it's not. When it all boils down to what lasts, it's God. And his word that he's revealed to us and people last. But it's not about my opinion. It's about the truth of God. And when we get a hold of the truth of God, we find that we can trust God. That we don't have to live in our guilt. Man, so many times Christians are defeated and we roll around in our guilt. And he set us free. And he wants us to live there, guys. He wants us to live in that that freedom and to know that freedom. Reminds me of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through thirteen. Uh, I, I expect some of you guys memorized it's verse loved. He says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Man, God is concerned about you and your future. He wants to give you the good stuff. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Hey, when you're honest before God like a little child and and don't play games, but come to him with that honest heart. He says, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to help you because I love you. That's God's heart. There's hope over guilt. I love in Lamentations chapter 3. It's uh, he it's a t- in that book, the book of Lamentations, it is a terrible time in the life of God's people in Israel. As, uh, people are starving to death and there's so much suffering. And in the midst of all this suffering of Lamentations, people who are weeping and crying because of all the pain and all the struggle, there are some of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture. Lamentations chapter 3. I, I want to start at verse 21 through 26. Those, these are great. He says... Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. It's His great love that causes us to not be consumed or to, 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 to be scorched. They never fail. They are new every morning. I love that. Each day you get up, God says, new grace, new compassions. Whole new load of it, child. Great is your faithfulness. He goes on, he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I'll wait for him. What a great verse. I want to wait on you, God, because you're my portion. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Is that where your hope is? It says, to the one who seeks him, it's good to wait quietly. For the salvation of the Lord. He calls us out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Now I want to look at some portraits here of who we are in Christ the church. Starting in verse 4, he refers to us as living stones. Verse 5, he says, like living stones being built into a spiritual house. There's a picture here, remember in Matthew um, 18, where Jesus has his disciples, and he says, on this rock I will build my church. And there's a picture of him as the big rock, the foundation, the cornerstone. And then there are these other rocks that are placed in the building, of this living building, his church. And, and we are the stones that make up that building. We are described in, in that sense that we're, All together we fit for his purposes and his kingdom use. He carefully 
forges the stone and, and places the stone so that it fits properly in, in the right place to accomplish his purpose and to accomplish his task. He quarries us out of that pit and, and he redeems us and, and then he places us right where we belong. And then secondly, we are priests in the same temple. We're called a royal priesthood there in verse 9. We don't have to go to someone else to get to God. We can go directly to God. That's the joy that He gives us in Christ. And and we can intercede for others. Here's a great verse, Hebrews 13, 15. It says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. Now, that's a great way to live as a priest. Think about it. Everything you do, everywhere you go, that's on your mind. I want to continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise through Jesus Christ that my lips might openly profess through everything, Jesus is Lord. And what a great way to live as a priest. And and are we doing that? Are we priests that are faithful in our lives? A third, chosen race. Chosen by God, but not because we deserve it, but because of His kindness. I want to read to you from Deuteronomy 7. 7, he says, The Lord did not set His affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. It was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath He swore to your ancestors. He brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore the Lord your God's God. He's the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who keep his commandments. None of that is about how great Israel is. It's about how great God is. We are a chosen people, handpicked, not because of what we deserve, just because he's kind. He's chosen us. Um, And then next, a holy nation. Within this great nation, the United States that we love so dearly, is another nation, another people, his church. We are another nation. It says in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship's in heaven, and we eagerly wait, await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, as Cindy had mentioned, the refugees, and we hear a lot about immigrants, many of the immigrants who um, are not welcome. And think about it. That's really how we are. The Bible says this is not really our home. We're to live here with an anticipation of the home that awaits us. And we're to love people here. But we don't quite fit here. We know that this is not all there is. And our hearts ache for being more fully. I love it. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 that when we pass on in death that we are alive. We're a shadow of life here. We're more fully alive in His Presence, the holy nation. And then last, we are a people that's God's own possession. It says a people belonging to God. Man, I've got, I know in some translations it says a peculiar people. Like, yeah, you got that right. There's some, some church people are peculiar. I remember hearing about this one preacher, young preacher, did his first funeral, and he looked down at the casket, and the guy's laying there, and he says, All that remains is the shell. The nut has already gone. And, and you know, but, but it's not talking here about that. It, it literally means, 
hey, we are not our own. We were bought with a price. We belong to God. What makes us precious is to whom we belong, which is our God. And, and then lastly, we are a people who received his light. I love that. Man, he has brought us out of darkness. Verse 9 and 10. And it says once we weren't even a people of God. Now we are. Now we've received mercy. He's blessed us. So I'll close this with four truths. Guys, of application. First, it does matter how we live. We're not saved by works, but we're saved so we can work for God. He doesn't leave us here just to, you know, to get stale. He wants us to tell other people that there's hope. You don't have to live as if nothing matters. Because you matter so much, Jesus came from the throne of God and went to a cross um, to live a clean life. Secondly, uh, leave no room for unbelievers to slander. It was said that when Plato was told a certain man was making slanderous charges against him, he said, I will live in such a way that no one will believe what he says. May that be our our idea as well too. That when the slander comes, may people look and say, Really? Him? It's not what I see. It's not what I see. Um, Third, do good deeds among the unbelievers. It's really easy sometimes to do good deeds among God's people. And it says they're going to know we're believers by the way we love each other. But we still need to love people outside the church. Are you doing that? Uh, I hope you have. For one minute, pray that God will bring one person into your life to share Jesus. At one o'clock every day. I've been doing that one o'clock every day. And I have noticed some people God will kind of send my way. Maybe I bungled it, I don't know. But I say, God, help me just to find some way to talk about you. Tell them about you. Um, one last one here, which goes along with this. Uh, we're being watched. Somebody has said, you may be the only Bible they ever read. You're being watched. You say, I don't like it. Well, tough cookies. They're watching you. I close with this. This is from Warren Wiersbe's commentary on First Peter. Powerful statement. It happened back in 1805 when a guy from the Missionary Society of Boston, Mr. Cram's his name, shared the gospel with some Indian leaders, some chiefs. And, uh, Mr. Cram was coming to share the gospel in Boston, and he wanted to reach out to the Indians. And one of the Indians, uh, his name was Red Jacket, shared this response to uh, the evangelist. Here's what he said. This is powerful stuff. Brother, you say there is but one way to worship and serve the great spirit. If there is but one religion, why do you white people differ so much about it? Why not all agree since you all can read the same book? Brother, we're told that you've been preaching to the white people in this place. These people are our neighbors. We are acquainted with them. We will wait a little while and see what effect your preaching has upon them. 
if we find it does them good, makes them honest, and less disposed to cheat Indians, we will then consider again what you have said. Let's pray. Father, uh, Lord, help us, God, to come before you honest, like a little kid, a little child, and to be forgiven and not to live racked in that guilt, but then just to walk with you, Lord. Just to do our best to, to, to be honest before you and, and to get strength from you to, to live for you that other people might see Jesus and that we might leap the grace of God where we go. God, help us, Lord, that others may see you and see there's a difference, God. and may long to know you as a result. God, do that work in me. Do that work in us here. Father, that um, at Kingsway, we may really want the Kingsway, Jesus in our lives. God, as we come to this time, we call response, invitation. It's a chance, Father, to respond to you. And I don't know every need here, obviously, but I know that you are a God that wants to meet the needs. Of course, the greatest need is salvation. Maybe there's somebody here. It's time to be saved. It's time to place the trust in Jesus and to be forgiven. And that list in Psalm 103 to see that you are a God that can be trusted. Uh, Maybe it's a time to follow you in baptism. Maybe it's a time to come to the altar to pray about something that's really at you, Lord. Father, I pray you just minister this morning and that we would respond as we stand, as we sing, as we obey you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together.